This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Welcome to episode 15 of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Andy. I'm Eddie. I'm Pat. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries right here on Paranormal Dads. Welcome everybody for hey. this. Uh, it's not a special episode, but no, it, it we're kind back of in, is. Yeah, it feels special. Well, we kind of have a theme going today with uh, Saint Patty's Day. That right? we do, laddie. <laughs> <laughs> Tis the season, and uh, this is the first time we're back in the studio. It's it's been a little while. It's been a clip. Yeah. I mean, we we were on been, the road actually, last time. Yeah, we were on the road before that. We recorded at Studio Plice. That's right. The exclusive studio here in town. So now we're in back in Casa Eddie. We're and back in Daydream Instruction Studios. You guys feeling lucky? You're feeling lucky. You got your shamrock underrooskies on? <laughs> yes. <That's right. laughs> it's the St. Patrick's Day weekend. It Saint is. St. Patrick's Day on a Saturday night. How fun is that for all you like crazy partiers having St. Patty's on a Saturday? I, I try to stay off the streets on St. <laughs> oh. Patrick's Day nights on the weekend. Probably wise. Yeah. Yeah. Funny thing, so when I moved uh, to Nebraska, um, you know what, what I noticed here is some of the like like cultural festivals. It seems to be a really like celebrated in a big way here, and I got invited my first couple years of living here. I got invited to my first like traditional like Catholic St. Patrick's Day like dinner, yeah. and I went and they had legit like potatoes, cabbage, and corned beef that was like corned beef. It was cooked and prepared and all that. And brined and all that. And it was an absolute blast. I had so much fun. And, and lots of beer as well. Which was kind of weird for me to go to a church function that was just tons and tons of beer. <laughs> oh, they like their beer. Well, for me growing up, you know, I went to a Catholic school. So yeah. it, it was it was kind of beneficial being named Patrick because oh. we had an Irish priest. So he would always have this big pizza party for all the kids named Patrick or <laughs> all the Irish named kids at, on St. Patrick's Day or right around there. So we'd get a special lunch of pizza and go and hang all out the kids with kids. Didn't do weren't yeah. they? Yeah, they couldn't get away. With I mean, that there were nowadays. like six of us in the whole school, maybe. Oh, I see. And, and you know, so that was kind of awesome. Yeah, I don't think they could pull that off and be politically correct nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> What's your name, Bobby? Not Irish. <laughs> no pizza for you. Go eat your gruel. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, uh, man. one of the things we're gonna talk about today, we got. Um, Irish-themed paranormal yes. events and activity, and uh, there's actually quite a bit of it. If you if you start looking around, St. Patrick's Day and the paranormal, there's quite a bit of material there. Oh, Ireland is the land of the you know the land of like magic and the Celtic you know mysteries, and it's it's very cool. And they make no qualms about you know experiencing that kind of no. thing. You know, they're they're pretty open about paranormal activity. Well, just look look back a few few months ago. We were talking about that 
the ghost in the Irish high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty Slamming pretty lockers intense. shut, kicking like wet floor signs across the hall. Right. Well, and I think in general, maybe Europe's a little bit more open to the paranormal because, you know, in previous episodes we've talked about in Iceland, they're really open to... Um, to gnomes and elves yeah. and, and that kind of thing. And of course, fairies are big in Ireland. And so, uh, but you're on um, the first segment today, Pat, which is uh, recent sightings, correct? That is correct. Ooh. It is time for recent sightings. And we are going to be talking about an, a haunted Irish pub. It's uh, one of the best pubs in Seattle, Washington area. Uh, it's a place called Kells Irish Restaurant and Pub, and each St. Patrick's Day they have a huge St. Patrick's Day blowout. You know, just everybody's dressing up like leprechauns. Uh, but one of the interesting things about this place, it is notoriously haunted, <laughs> and they they've had a number of the uh, ghost shows come in and and check this place out, and. The uh, it, it's of course one of the places all the sightseers stop to see. Uh, they've had experienced ghosts. They've had glasses thrown off tables and and things like that. So uh, we're going to get into the uh, a little information about this place and uh, Irish type paranormal stuff that goes on uh, around the holiday. But uh, Kells Irish Restaurant and Pub was. Um, it's a place in the historic Pike Place Market area, and it has an annual St. Patrick's Day celebration. Um, it originally was a mortuary. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> now we're starting off on the right foot. Now you're starting on the right foot, laddie. Yes, you are. <laughs> it handled thousands. That was kind of a pirate mixed in there. I do what I can. Hi, shush, this I've been to that Pike's Market. That place is awesome, man. Is it? You got to be careful. You get hit in the head with a flying fish if you're not careful, though. Yeah, they they toss those fish across the market old school, just like you see in the on TV. Really? It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's insane. That's awesome. I'm sorry, Pat. No, you're good. <laughs> but this mortuary handled thousands of bodies, and uh, the stories around it reveal some pretty um, unscrupulous-type activity. There's much to be read about regarding the history of the place. Many uh, of the individuals were victims of mining accidents, poor sanitation, just the general uh, violence of the times uh, when this place was in operation. Literally one million ways to die in the West. (laughs) And you can actually trace a lot of the deaths of these people back to one particular doctor uh, in the time. Her name was Dr. Linda Hazard. (laughs) And if, if you look at her, she she looks like a hazard. I mean, she's kind of a creepy looking old lady. Bright of Frankenstein. This was not Bo and Luke Duke. You yeah, know, this wasn't good old Hazard County. This was uh, this was a crazy doctor who liked to starve her patients. Um, she would she believed she could cure uh, them of their diseases basically by starving them right out of her patients right i just don't get old-timey medicine <laughs> well you hear these stories of back in the day with doctors like it was dangerous to go to the doctor because yeah. a, a lot of them didn't come back home no well it's like the you old lobotomized and then <laughs> the old steve martin saturday night live skit you'll feel better after a good bleeding <laughs> exactly <laughs> but um what this this lady would do is um she'd starve these people 
And then when they're on death's bed, she was able to convince them to give her power of attorney for their estates. And (laughs) so she was making a little on the side by doing this. Uh, Eventually, she she got caught and they got wise to her. Uh, The funny thing is she was only convicted for one murder. And she spent two years in jail before being pardoned by the governor. This is how horror movies start. And the governor, she probably had in her back pocket somehow. Must have, yeah. He was probably taking a kickback or something. But the Uh. funny thing is, once she got out of jail, they shipped her off to New New Zealand. They're like, we're going to let you out of jail, but you have to move to New Zealand. You have to leave the country. Why New Zealand of all places? (laughs) I know, right? Like now they're now they're New Zealand. Now she's New Zealand's problem. Send her somewhere cold and uncomfortable. Exactly. (laughs) Although New Zealand is kind of like Australia, everything will kill you. Well, that's true. It's beautiful, but deadly. Yeah. Yeah. But they believe that she killed over fifty people by by her activities. So that's it's that's sad. Um, But but some of the stuff they see in this place. they see dark shadows in the corner of the room, uh, glasses uh, sliding across the bar by themselves, uh, being smashed on the floor. They're hearing footsteps. You know, typical kinds yeah. of things you would see in the a classic haunt- haunted deep bar, haunting bar. Right? There are some characters associated with this as far as the ghosts go. Uh, one of them's name is Charlie. Uh, Charlie appears wearing an old-fashioned hat and a long black coat. And he hangs around in bars in the stage areas. Um, many musicians have seen his shadows. Uh, another one is called the Tall Man. He's often spotted by patrons, and he's said to have long hands. And once spotted, he disappears immediately. Well, so that's it's like, good. Oh, there's you know the Tall what, Man. Whoop, he's gone. You know what they say about ghosts with big hands? <laughs> they, <laughs> they wear big gloves. Exactly. You Do you think here's a, here's they, they a clap question. really loud? They clap really loud. Do you think that uh, you know ghosts hang out at bars trying to you know pick up on other female ghosts? That would be great, like a ghost singles bar. <laughs> or here's another theory. Do you think like a lot of the you know glasses getting knocked around and doors slamming? You know, what if on St. Patty's Day, what if it's just inebriated ghosts who are tripping and stumbling around just like people? Right. Totally drunk ghosts. Didn't even mean to <laughs> knock it off the table. He just had one too many. I'm remind. Wasn't there a Disney movie that had a drunk ghost in it? I vaguely remember that. Maybe it's the Haunted Mansion. The Blackbeard's ghost. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it was one of him. The one that followed you home. No, there's, there's some goofy looking that ghosts. Scared the in heck out of me as a kid. By the way, They're like, oh, the ghost is gonna follow you home, kids. Like, well done, Disney. <laughs> well done. Well, our, our final ghost is is simply called the little girl, and she's <laughs> she's usually seen sitting at the top of the stairs. Um, they don't know who she was, and she often disappears as quickly as she appears. So um, hard to get a trace on her. But you know, that's just. Apparently, this place has been visited, like I said, by most of the most of the TV shows and the ghost hunting type. Uh, and they've circuit. all seen something, correct? Like they've all had experiences. Yeah, yeah. You know the the footsteps, the noises, the what is it? EMFs or yeah, EV, yeah, or EVP, EVP, EMF detector, and 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 then you got the EVP, which is the audio voice recordings. Yeah, it's hard to keep all these acronyms straight. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you know, so there's there's a lot of creepy Irish lore to be had out there. Um, you know, you got you got fairies, you got 
evil leprechauns. You know, in the U.S., we see leprechauns as these jolly little yeah. little people handing out cash to people, and over in Ireland, you know, they're kind of they're kind of creepy guys. They they originally came from the sea. Yeah. People are, believe, and um, they're little tricksters, and they want little to do with the general public. From from what I hear. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's a lot going on. The idea, the idea that we took a thing that was, and that's kind of an American thing too that we do is like we take these European, um, like characters and stories and kind of tweak them to make them more like friendly for kids or for for us even commercialize them exactly. But then you have like yeah, like I I remember reading that the whole idea of a leprechaun wasn't that they were something that you would necessarily want to go after. Uh, which kind of ties, which kind of ties right into my uh, my segment coming up here. So I won't I won't say too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't care, man. Leprechauns make delicious cereal with that Lucky Charms there. Yes. <laughs> St. Patrick's Day is an Irish holiday traditionally. You know, oh, of course, it's probably it could be bigger here in America now than any. <laughs> I've heard that's else. the case actually. But um, it's funny because you start searching around for Irish and paranormal type stuff. You come across Nessie, and yes. Nessie is technically Scotland. She's Scotland, right? yeah. So, I opened this huge can of worms last night when I'm I'm kind of researching some of this stuff. Do you guys consider Scotland a country? Well, Scotland technically is part of Britain, and that's going to set a lot of people off. But it is. It's, it's part of the UK. Part of the UK. And that blew my mind. Yeah, it's like they, I must have missed this when I was in elementary school. Or they something. never. How did I miss this? But yeah, it's, but you got, you got you, Ireland, Scotland. Uh, well, Ireland is its own country, right? Yeah. You get you got England or Great Britain, right? You got Scotland, Northern Ireland, and Wales. And Wales. Yeah, that yeah. makes up the UK, right? You yeah. know, I guess, I guess that makes me an American because I'm. I, I, that just blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I, I always thought Scotland was a country, and they say that you can say that you know, Great Britain's a country. You can call Scotland a country. Northern Ireland's a country. But they're not; they're all independent states. Are they? They're not completely independent states. Right. So it's very confusing. It's kind of like yeah, it's a weird mix. Well, we'll, we'll consider the Loch Ness monster a uh, cryptid cousin of Ireland, then. <laughs> but you can go and get a green T-shirt with Nessie on the front, and I'll call it Irish. Whatever. <laughs> I think we'll be okay. My favorite, one of my favorite parts of the movie Braveheart is when the Irish come to help the scots fight off the uh, the brits so i kind of like the whole like oh they're buddies they had a common enemy <laughs> and and they did it in skirts there you go they did exactly <laughs> they did it in skirts <laughs> well i guess if you're ever in the uh, pikes uh was it pikes place market pikes place in in seattle Mark. be sure to check out that bar and watch out for yeah. the tall man and uh watch out for the big hands and the little girl on the stairs and uh the guy in the dark coat cheers cheers and the flying fish Watch out for that flying fish. It'll get you. It's time for pop, culture, and the paranormal. All right. So, pop culture and the paranormal. It's my turn. There is a movie that, for me, I watched a ton as a kid. And it scared the dickens out of me 
there's a scene in it that scares me to death. And even as an adult, grown man, I watched this scene again recently with my kids. And it's still, it, my kids were like, well, that looked kind of fake. And even still, it just scared me because it, it just reminded me. Of this. But the movie I'm talking about goes, you don't get more Irish than this movie. It's called Darby O'Gill and the Little People. And it is a story. It's completely set. In, it's a Disney movie, first of all. And this is right set in Disney's kind of beginning of Disney's dark phase. Yeah, you, you've told me this before that Disney kind of went through a darker chapter where it wasn't all kind of sunshine and rainbows and family feel good movies, right? This was, they tried to, it did hover around a family feel good movie, but Disney had this weird sense of like scary that he just didn't, I don't know. There's, there's a series of movies that came out from Disney. There's one called Something Wicked This Way Comes. There's one that's called Escape to Witch Mountain. Right. There's The Black Cauldron. There's a few other ones. And this one kind of fought Blackbeard's Ghost, which kind of had some comedic elements in it, but it was still a little creepy. Um, Bedknob and broomsticks for a lot of people it's kind of scary because there's like a ghost army that fights off some stuff um is that the one where they were like kidnapping kids or well or maybe that that's was something Poppins. wicked i think mary poppins there, there there's just one disney movie and i digress but there's one disney movie where they kidnap some kids and they throw them like in this horse-drawn cart I just remember that scene freaking me out as a kid. Yeah. What movie was that? I don't, I don't remember. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, I think. I think it was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I think it was, Bang Bang. yeah. yeah. I, but there's a lot of those anyway. like darker elements in these movies that you're kind of like, what's happening here? Darby O'Gill captures this perfectly. So the story, for those who don't know what it is, is Darby O'Gill is a, he's the town kind of drunk uh, for this small town in Ireland. And he goes to the bar after his hard day of work, gets properly sauced and then stumbles home. That's kind of what he's known for doing. And the the film and it kind of doesn't play nice into the stereotypes. This was also filmed in like the late fifties, early sixties, so there was no sense of like <laughs> we should be sensitive. <laughs> and so on his way home, he sees the king of the leprechauns. And I and I'm gonna butcher some of these details, but I've seen it so many times the movie kind of mushes together in my brain. But he he manages to catch the Leprechaun King, and he actually keeps him prisoner in his house and won't let him go. And eventually, the the Leprechaun King, uh, the gif I sent you guys was that was a scene from that movie. By the way, that I was wondering where that came from. It's Little, creepy. It's creepy looking. Yeah, I, I thought know. it was actually from like the the horror movie, no, The Leprechaun. That's from the that, Disney that series. No, no, that is creepy, man. It's a little scary. And so, <laughs> the Leprechaun agrees finally because he's kept him for like overnight or for several days. He's like, I finally agree. I'll give you my gold, or I'll give you some of the gold, not all the gold, or whatever. And so he sees the leprechaun kingdom. They like let him into their whole kingdom and he sees a whole like underground city of leprechauns. The effects are actually kind of good, actually. And so he sees all this stuff and they kind of party. He parties with the leprechauns, basically. And but something happens where they trick him. The leprechauns trick him and give him no gold. And what did he did expect? They... They're kind of tricksters, right? Right. Did they pay him in glow sticks? Gold glow sticks. Green glow sticks. <laughs> exactly. But 
he uh, so he comes back from this. He they they kick him out of their kingdom, and he goes and he tells everybody like I was I captured the king and he lured me and he, like he, I went to their thing and they held me prisoner and the whole town's laughing at him. Ah ha ha ha, Darby O'Gill. Well, the thing is, this is where the, the details get a little bit hazy. Um, by him capturing, I think he stole some gold. Maybe anyway, whatever happened, he got the spirits of Ireland upset at him for what he did. And uh, long story short, there's a subplot in this where he has a daughter who's, you know, beautiful and young, and she falls in love with a super young Sean Connery who is like Scottish, but still he's playing an Irish guy. Once again, or Scotland, Ireland, but he's playing an Irish guy. And he's like the, the, the brash, good looking guy that's singing to all the ladies. And, and um, there's a subplot with that where, uh, Darby O'Gill, she does something. Oh yeah, she goes looking for a, uh, a her dad. Runs into a banshee in these abandoned like Irish ruins, and there's a lot of those in Ireland. Like these old castles or right. old like churches that are just kind of falling over. And this scene is so scary, and it shows a banshee coming down from like the sky, and she's just wailing, letting out the most blood curdling. I'm going to show you guys this before you leave. <laughs> you <probably> don't wanna... <laughs> I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight if I watch that. And and the between the sound of the banshee and there was this style of effect in that time where the, the even though it didn't look real it looked i mean it looked there's a word that uh, uh, that Bruce Crawford has used he goes it it looks like an effect but it looks real mm-hmm. like you know it's not really happening but it looks like it's still real versus this looks more realistic but it doesn't look real like computer effects so the point is this thing is terrifying looking mm-hmm. And she gets essentially cursed by the Banshee. The Banshee won't stop coming for her until she's dead. She's dead, basically. And they even send this, like, stagecoach to come take her away. Like, this death coach. And this is spoiler alert, but this movie is, like, 60 years old. Um, Darby O'Gill makes an agreement, essentially, with the Banshee to exchange his life for his daughter's. So he was kind of this reprehensible guy who ended up doing a noble thing in the end. Almost a Scrooge kind of thing. Kind of a Scrooge thing. He was more likable, but still he was just kind of a loser kind of character. But He totally redeemed himself. If I remember right, no. And then there was a, there was a twist at the end. He was being carried away by death to, to save his daughter. And uh, the leprechaun king shows up like magic inside the, uh, the, uh, the chariot. And is like, oh, Darby, you can't die this way. <laughs> And he like kicks him out of the carriage because apparently the leprechaun king has some ability to cheat death or whatever and kicks him out of the carriage. Uh, Like Darby O'Gill couldn't have left on his own, but the fact that the guy did it was different. But But the leprechaun basically paid him back by saving his life and not giving him gold necessarily. But very cool movie. So nobody died. Nobody ended up dying. Yeah. Yeah. But there was definitely the threat of it. My goodness. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. There's a scene where the girl, his daughter, is going with a horse, and it's raining, and then you hear the banshee wailing before you even see her, and it's just, it's so, like, well done. But, uh, yeah, I recommend it highly for anybody who hasn't, who who's craving a little Irish fun Disney movie. It's a little creepy, 
but it's it's kid appropriate. I mean, I wouldn't say it's little kid appropriate, but you could probably get a you know eight, nine, ten year old, and they'd be they'd be okay for the most part. Yeah, some of those older ones can be a little bit creepy, and I think I know what you mean by the you know the special effects that make it look even creepier. I'm thinking yeah. all the way back to. Uh, the Wizard of Oz, you know, when they cut to that scene, it's like almost like a faded out blurry image of the witch that was flying towards them to get them. It's more scary looking. Yeah, and it, it looks, it's it's totally cheesy and it's hor- it's bad special effects, but it's the type of special effect that just makes it look eerie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But Oh, I'm with you. But uh, but yeah, there you go. And 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 there is some funny bits in it because of just how like crazy it is. Uh, seeing the, the leprechauns dance around and stuff like that. The way they do some of the effects too. Like he's like, here you go, Darby, and he's handing him like a giant green pea, but it's like a big like green like ball, and then <laughs> and then it cuts to Darby picking up a pea. You know what I mean? So it's it's very funny oh, how man. they do some of those little effects. When did this movie come out? I want to say it was the late late fifties or early sixties. Okay. It was like fifty eight. 59 maybe 60 something like that but so it, was, it was yeah maybe a little before the the whole 60s kind of freaky looking the way movies were shot in the 60s you know there was some pretty weird stuff in the 60s this looks more like it was like the way it was st- shot like cinematography wise it looks more like like sound of music okay like just how super saturated the colors are and stuff right. like that the technicolor look exactly kind of, it's like so so rich like your teeth get like yeah. rotted like oh it's like <laughs> candy color right but yeah, super, super weird and quirky and a little creepy. Well, speaking of leprechauns, you know, we are we are dads collectively between the, the three of us. We have three, four, six, six children. Yeah, there you go. Uh, independently, not together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're not that close, but yeah. um, but didn't uh, one of your daughters, Eddie, uh, she made like a leprechaun trap uh, it, a few years back? Yes. And, and and how'd that go? Oh, it's every year. Oh, you still do it every they year? They all well, Gwen Gwen still is on the bus of certain things. She yeah. doesn't believe in the tooth fairy. Sure. But she still believes in other things. So it's kinda like these things don't like fade all at once. Yeah. They they kinda drop off. Um, so and I forget which kid started this. And I mean, maybe we started it with her, but uh, we started doing leprechaun traps where you just build these elaborate little traps that the, the whole idea being that you're trying to catch a leprechaun. And uh, and the way we got around it was like the leprechaun just leaves behind a pile of candy. Oh, okay. And so, because it's like, well, a kid doesn't have much use for gold coins. When they were little, they were like, oh, yeah, what am I going to do with gold coins? But I love candy. Gwen's going to become an engineer coming up with all these traps. She's already talking like all this elaborate <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, oh, and a friend of ours, uh, and we talked about doing some shout outs, but uh, a friend of ours, end of the podcast, uh, Justin Tallman, uh, his son, um, is so dead set on setting a leprechaun trap up. He has, I think right now, like eight or nine traps really? set up all throughout their house and outside. That's something we've never done. But to that's try a cool, to catch That's this. a cool tradition to oh do. Oh, my god! Of course, kids nowadays with technology, they can probably up their game from a shoebox and, you know, propped up with a stick. They probably have, like, infrared cameras and trail cams and <laughs> exactly. drones. Exactly. I'm going to catch this leprechaun. GPS tracker. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a black squirrel. <laughs> before the podcast began i i had an add moment eddie has a lot of kind of trinkets and collectibles here in our studio and i looked down and i said hey there's a stuffed black squirrel where'd you get that and he's uh, currently on our podcast table there he is oh my gosh it's kind of creepy kind of cute though too he was he, he's on loan to me from a co-worker friend and uh he's just uh, he just helps out little taxidermied little critter here what'd you name him nope no critters were harmed by paranormal dads in this episode. None, none at all. He has been taxidermied for years and years. I, I don't know how long, but quite a long time. 
What'd you name him? Buford T. Squirrel. <laughs> Buford T. Squirrel. What does the T stand for? Tiberius. <laughs> oh my gosh. Of course. Well, there, there you have it, folks. Uh, pop culture and the paranormal. A uh, little bonus squirrel action the there. squirrely finish. <laughs> and now it's time for the main mystery. All right, main mystery for this uh, St. Patrick's Day episode. I figured it would be appropriate enough to choose the main mystery of the Irish Banshee. Oh, they're so freaky. Dudes. So scary. It's kind of terrifying. I was introduced to the Banshee. You know, this must be the night I'm going to be talking about a lot of my Catholic school stories. Because in Catholic school is where where this... I was introduced to the Banshee. I, I want to say it was music class. Yeah. And we were studying something, and the the topic of Banshees came up. Oh, Lordy. But I, I remember to this day being a kid and just thinking, that's pretty freaky. That's one of those ones. The idea of a wailing woman. It's always a woman. Mm. Ghost or spirit, or wraith, whatever you want to call her, just wailing out as loud as she can, just sends terror shears up my spine, shivers up my spine. I, um, I, there was a, a very unique article I came across years ago, and it was detailing out the conversion of the ancient Irish people, because like pre-Christian um, uh, missionaries, Ireland was kind of this like tribal... Um, like nature worship style culture. There wasn't a lot of, uh, there wasn't any Christianity yet uh, being brought over from the Middle East, frankly. And then um, converting all of these, well, pagans essentially is what they called them, which is kind of a, like a word that just they're, they're lumping together everybody, <laughs> you know? But there was a bunch of the different tribes that just worshiped like nature spirits and all this stuff. But that's a lot, a lot of where these like stories come from is, is those ancient. These aren't Christian stories. These are older that get brought forward into the vernacular now. But just knowing that some of these creatures, especially the banshee, has those like those old crusty roots that go back prehistory. Even you're like, man, was this real? (laughs) (laughs) My first exposure to the banshee was that movie uh, Darby O'Gill. I'd never even heard of the banshee before. Mm. I just see this woman descending from the sky, just wailing and screaming into nothingness. And I'm like, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever (laughs) seen in my life. (laughs) And that's one of the signatures. Uh, They say the banshee, it's, it's a, it's always a woman. It usually comes from the sky or from the woods, oh. and she's known for a terrifying, high-pitched shriek that is unlike any sound that you could hear. Ungodly. Almost like nails on a chalkboard mixed with uh, Gilbert Godfrey's voice, I guess. <laughs> it's it's It'll hurt the ears a little bit. And uh, there's a, a lot of variations as far as um, the appearance of the Banshee um, varies wildly, kind of like the Chupacabra. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's like 50 different uh, descriptions of what it looks like. The Banshee Cabra. The Banshee Cabra. I, some reports uh, say Banshees have red hair, others white, others silver. Some people are reported as a young, beautiful woman. Others report that Banshees are kind of old and decrepit and wrinkly there's one constant aside from the wailing uh, that accompanies them is uh bloodshot red eyes from crying uh, too yeah. much Ooh. and one might think why would a banshee be crying so much and well it's because of their job duty it's rather sad uh, it's said that banshees 
appear outside of households to uh, basically usher the soul of somebody who's on the verge of dying, ushering their soul into the afterlife. So usually the banshee will appear the night before that somebody in that house is going to die. And from there, I guess it's a game of Russian roulette because it doesn't specify how do you know who in the house is on the verge of, who's on death's doorstep. Just having you say that made me have goosebumps, just so you know. I'm just putting that out there. Dude, if we hear a shriek outside of your... Because Eddie's... The studio here backs up to a wooded area, dude. If we hear a shriek or a howl out there, I'm out of here. (laughs) You can hit stop on the recording. I'm just going to lay and curl up in a ball. Well, and to top it all off, it's not like they bring gold coins and, you know, like, like <laughs> leprechauns or, or chocolate like the Easter Bunny or a couple bucks like the Tooth Fairy. Banshees are known, in some cases, known to carry a, a bucket of blood. What? So, oh. so that's nice. Yeah. A uh, little fun fact there. Bucket of blood. For what purpose? I have no idea. Where do they get the bucket? Exactly. <laughs> Where do they get the blood? <laughs> so many questions. <laughs> So I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, this is a phenomenon I wasn't uh, too terribly familiar with, but pretty creepy. Um, as far as uh, dress, kind of from what I gathered, uh, kind of same with the description of the hair and everything. Um, their their attire varies a little bit, but a lot of people report that banshees typically wear almost like a grim reaper type of outfit, right. like, like a, a robe, a, a hooded robe kind of deal. Yeah, wasn't there like a uh, like a pirate movie? And they were sailing towards some land, you know, uh, island or something. And there were, I remember, cliffs. And they were afraid of, like, some kind of a screaming spirit or something. Were, were those banshees? That, was that an old Disney? I don't know if that was a Disney movie. There was, I, I think you're I, thinking of Blackbeard's Ghost. Maybe. The Disney movie. That that I could is? have sworn there was, a, there was a banshee in that as well. Yeah, there were like banshees on the cliffs and they were screaming and uh, just basically to scare the pirates away. But Yeah. We got to look this stuff up. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, it's it's creepy as heck. It does ring a bell though, Pat. You know, and I, I don't know. I, I think if I'm hearing any screaming outside the, the screaming house. screaming cliffs of Dover. Or something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what I, what is such an interesting thing to observe is so many of these of these uh, uh, cr- uh, creatures and characters are so like heartbreaking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like the, 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 ba- the banshees are an omen of death, you know, and the leprechauns, apparently, even if you do catch them, the goal is cursed. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, nothing is, yeah. nothing's happy. <laughs> <laughs> when their eyes are red because they've been crying for their entire existence. That's just, <laughs> That's freaky. Funny part of me is thinking of those allergy commercials. You know, dry eyes, get clear (laughs) eyes. Get some vice. Are your eyes red from crying because your job is to usher in all the dead people? Seasonal allergies. Here, have some Visine Banshee. (laughs) (laughs) Don't use more than three times a day. You know, but the thing with a lot of these European... Well, and I guess you could say the same for African or South American. They're old, very, very old legends and myths. You know, fairies, elves, uh, gnomes, you know, dwarves, you know, banshees, things of this nature. You're talking going back thousands of years. Yeah. You know, like practically prehistory. And for my money, you know, of course, it might be a different story if I saw a chupacabra. But a chupacabra, you know, and even Bigfoot, you could say, are more, they're more recent Mm -hmm. uh, kind of legends that, you know, the banshee and some of those European lore, they go back a long, long time. And, And maybe... Almost like a snowball rolling downhill, gathering momentum. I just think the fear factor goes up a little bit when you have something that's 
that's been around for a long time. You know, stories get passed down through the generations and you add more new stories to that. And and it also makes you wonder when a legend has been around so long, if there's a kernel of truth to it. Because you would think that if if it's complete hogwash, then eventually throughout the eons it would kind of fall off as as you know completely bogus and go away. It would go away. Be done with it. Yeah. It would go away. And and the thing about it too, to me, is just like it's such a strong tie to that specific culture. You know what I mean? Like I know there's I, I know like various cultures have their different like you know myths and mysteries and all that. But gosh, man, like something is so powerful about the the just the word banshee. I mean, you hear it and you're like, oh, yeah, it just sounds like a creepy, creepy thing. Yeah, they got the market on weird names for scary things. I'm a banshee. Well, I've got a little story here I found uh, from a website called YourIrish.com, Ooh. and it's just kind of a firsthand account of what might be a a legit banshee sighting or, oh, or experience no. here. Yeah. I little word to the wise, it's probably not gonna end happily. <laughs> <laughs> it's a short story here. It says, quote, I remember being told as a young child of an uncle who was walking home on a cold and blustering night, he was probably three sheets to the wind after partaking um and drinks to keep out the cold. On arriving home he told my grandma that he had tried to comfort an old woman that he had met along the way. Describing the woman, he said the old woman was dressed in in black with a veil over her face and was crying and wailing outside the house. Now, every time he went over uh, over to her, she moved away, but all the while kept pointing at the house. My grandmother, with all her knowledge of old Irish legends, knew straight away that this this old lady rep- what the old lady represented, and she hurried my uncle to bed, reassuring him that she herself would have a look. Uh, for the old woman. Needless to say, she didn't dare do such a thing. Uh, then, sure enough, only three days after this encounter, my grandma's brother died peaceful, peacefully in his sleep. Yeah. And as children, we used to bu- bug my uncle to retell the story of the night that he tried to uh, invite the banshee in for tea. <laughs> oh. No, thank you. Oh, jeez. Anyway. That's, uh... <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> Maybe there's some credibility here. Why would there be a woman in black? Why would she be wearing a veil? Why, on God's green earth, would she be pointing and kind of screaming and wailing at the house? At the house. You know? Yeah. And it, but of course, if he didn't know the legend, hey, what's wrong? Come in for a spot of tea. Hey, you know? girl, come on inside the house. <laughs> Here's some tea. We're gonna play some Scrabble. You should join us. <laughs> no, you don't like Scrabble. <laughs> it's gonna be your last game of Scrabble. <laughs> well, that's not very nice. That wasn't the UPS man out there. <laughs> <laughs> She's more of a Uno fan. Here at the, the you know, <laughs> I've never heard a, a wailing, screaming woman outside the house. But you know what is really eerie is uh, to hear coyotes uh, howling and, and carrying on and making a. They ruckus. make some strange sounds. Yeah, my uh, uh, my house also my backyard also backs up to a wooded area, as you guys know, yep. um, just like Eddie's does here and. Uh, recently, we have uh, coyotes, coyotes. What do you guys say, coyotes or coyotes? I say coyote, but that's because I'm not from here. I, I usually say coyote. Coyote. Well, we have we have them uh, in the wooded area behind my house, and you know, once every couple of weeks, they'll start cackling and shrieking out there. It's eerie. Yeah. And yeah. It, it reminds me of back on our uh, Bigfoot expedition in the o- in in the o- it was in the Ozarks. Yeah, it's, that's it's a such very a, big area. It's such yeah. a huge yeah. area that doesn't give away where yeah. we were at. Yeah. But uh, we were out there in the middle of the night. You know, searching for uh, Mr. Foot, and uh, 
when those coyotes started carrying on, it was eerie. It kind of, it almost sounds like a lady screaming. It can. Yeah. And there was a group of people kind of manning a fire at kind of one of our, our starting points. And they said they, they were cooking bacon and they said that these coyotes came, they could see the coyotes on the other side of the fire coming that close to yeah. them. It's, it's pretty unnerving that they are not that timid. Yeah. They were gutsy. You know? Yeah. Ugh. So we, yeah. we had one walk right across in the middle of the day, walk across the kids' schoolyard. That's insane. In, when they were in elementary school, they had kids out on recess and this coyote comes walking across the schoolyard. What? They rounded up the kids and, and, and got them inside. But, uh, you know, the people speculated, you know, wondering if it was a sick one or something yeah. that it was, uh, didn't have all its senses, Yeah, <laughs> you know, on the do that. broad daylight, but. Well, I'd still rather see a coyote than a banshee. I'd rather see yeah. a coyote any day. <laughs> you know, but then again, here's just a part of me that's kind of brainstorming, trying to keep things lighthearted. If, if a banshee showed up to your house, could you just like get in your car and leave real quick and just say, oh, wrong house. <laughs> We're not home. It doesn't count. But I don't live here, I man. I don't even live here. I'm just visiting, man. And she's like, where do you live? I don't know. I'm homeless. <laughs> I'm <Go."> nomadic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's got to be a way to outsmart her. You just keep moving. Every, just keep moving. Uh, yeah. Send her the uh, the uh, the uh, change of address form that you make when you. <laughs> this is where I'm moving to. Just keep her. Just keep her. Just keep her on a cycle. But there is a lot of uh, Irish legends and and folklore, and of course we kind of forget about all that on St. Patrick's Day when the green beer is flowing and the corned beef tastes so good. But oh. anyway, um, I guess we'll wrap it up. We we hope you enjoyed this uh, kind of special or, or different kind of themed episode. And uh, I thought it was fun. So have a have a very safe and very happy uh, St. Patrick's Day to everyone out there. And I guess, un- unfortunately, Eddie, for you and I, we don't have uh, Irish names and we won't get spoiled with uh, with pizza and treats like Patrick here did in, in elementary school. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, man. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening. And uh, be sure to uh, check in with us on Facebook from time to time. Also, we're on Twitter. Uh, both of those is just Paranormal Dads, all one word. Um, just search for us and you can find us. Uh, we're also doing quite well on Instagram now. So you oh, can find yeah. Paranormal Dads on Instagram. We'll throw some pictures out uh, every now and then. Maybe even a picture of that black squirrel. There you go. We'll see. And a special thank you to our friends at freesounds.org for <laughs> all of our sound effects and all the where to's and why for's. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Exactly. Take that cord home and like cut it in half. Like, it reminds me of that line from Back to the Future when he's like, Do you know what this means? It means that this damn thing doesn't work at all. <laughs> yeah, Doc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>